this morning we are continuing our work through the Sermon on the Mount, and today we're working with, with uh, Jesus' spirituality. So we start with the question, what exactly is spirituality? You know, if we're going to engage with Jesus and what He's going to be talking about, starting in chapter 6 of Matthew, we've got to first kind of set the table a little bit. So what are we dealing with when we deal with spirituality? We live in a culture that is pretty sure it knows what spirituality is. Um, as our culture has become increasingly less friendly to Christian doctrine, it hasn't left spirituality. And if for, I think for a time it did, we went through kind of a, a secular, rational season. But we found pretty quickly that doesn't work for human beings. You know, we have this spiritual core inside of us. And, and, and so we're not comfortable. And so we've got the world around us exploring what it is to be spiritual, but without a whole lot of direction from the Christ. And so you're ending up with things like, you know, these out-of-body experiences being a real big deal to people in New Age religion. And, and you get kind of an a la carte, draw your spirituality, whatever you want it to be. Spirituality, for the most part, is focused upon those things that affirm us and make us feel good in our inner core being. Whatever that is. And spirituality in our culture, is pretty much whatever floats your boat and gets you excited. Whatever it is that stirs up your, your zen or your whatever that thing inside you is, that's more than just your physical body. Whatever your interior world is that makes you feel a romance for yourself. That's kind of spirituality. But Jesus comes with a kind of spirituality that's not like that. In fact, most Christian spirituality is... I think part of the reason, by the way, that our culture is in, in pursuit of this is Christianity is often in danger of becoming hyper-rationalistic. A set of things you believe instead of a set of things you experience. And our world around us wants experience. The truth is, Christianity has got spirituality that the world can't touch. Because it doesn't just make you feel good, it convicts you too. It's a transformative thing. But it looks more boring, for the most part, and the spiritualities that are so enticing because it... Oh, let me get into this before I do it. Have you ever seen the movie The Matrix? Anybody ever seen that movie? Kind of a violent movie. I'm ashamed of you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, it is really violent, not for children. But there's this scene in that movie where he meets this little Buddhist kid, right? Of course, they're inside of a computer program, so he's not really Buddhist. There's no real Buddhist or Christian or anything inside there, right? But he's in there, and the kid's got a spoon, and the spoon's going... Meow, you know, and it's kind of cool. And our hero picks it up and he's looking at the spoon and the kid says, you just have to remember the truth. And the guy says, what truth? And he says, there is no spoon. When you realize that, then you'll see that it's not the spoon that changes, but you. Okay, that is a beautiful expression of American spirituality. You know, just... Deny reality and make it whatever you want to be and you'll change the world around you and the change the world inside of you and it'll be glorious and happy and you'll finally be free of all the guilt you're carrying around when you get more spiritual and less religious. Christian spirituality looks a bit different. It's the boring, mundane stuff that your grandparents did. Prayer, for instance. Or approaching a table with an empty plate. That's not empty because you're broke. It's empty on purpose. That's the stuff 
of Christian spirituality. And so we've got to come again to the mountain. We need to climb up that mountain and sit down at the foot of our teacher if we're going to understand what this stuff is that our souls so crave and so need, we need to be guided into what it really is because otherwise there are pathways into all kinds of different weird things. And the reality is that the spirituality is like going down deep into deep water. And there are beauties there that will confound and fathom the mind, but also monstrous things that will devour you whole if you don't go knowing what you're doing. So we need guidance into this place. This place where our souls become vulnerable and open and potentially transformed. Transformed into what? Well, if it's true spirituality, it's transformed into the nature of that guy. I mean, not that guy. That guy said for the photo. I don't know who he is. But Jesus. Transformed into bearing His image. That's what spirituality is. Jesus begins in the Sermon on the Law Uh, Sermon on the Mount with the Law of Moses. And I think he does that on purpose. Because he knows that we're religious people. If we're going to be followers of this guy, we're kind of likely to be a little bit religious. Right? People who follow Jesus want to know what the will of God is. For the most part, the human heart comes to God first wanting to know, okay, what do you expect of me? And let me do that so that you can maybe not be a danger and a threat to me. And maybe you'll leave me alone and I'll get some little part of my heart where it gets to be a playground I get to do what I want. But if you'll just set up what the rules are, let me know, and I'll live inside of that. Tell me how many times i got to go to church, sit through that boring sermon, let me know what i got to do, and I'll do it. And so Jesus begins with the gotta. But you'll notice His approach to the law is so vastly different from Adam's approach to the law, from the Pharisees' approach to the law. He's all the time arguing with the Pharisees. And he shows us five different laws and how to interpret them. And, and he, so when he says, well, you know, murder, it's not really about murder. It's about this, this junk inside of you, this anger, this stuff that drives you to murder. Adultery is not really about not just having an affair. It's about not having the kind of heart, not having the kind of eye that wants the affair. And, and that whole retaliation law, you know, that was meant to help you to be a good person, the law about love. And so all of his approach to the law, and incidentally, this is a way of reading all of the law. You can read any law of Moses, Jesus' way, it will convict the heart and say, you should have a heart like mine because I'm your God. And my, my, These are things I would never do, and these are the things that I would do. Be like me. And Jesus has shown us that. Good grief, how do I do that? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but that yoke's hard, isn't it? Try to do it. Just pick one of them. Just pick an enemy and love them. I'll wait. Good luck with that, right? How do I do this stuff? Well, the answer is spirituality. You'll note that as Jesus talks about spirituality throughout his conversation about spirituality, he starts talking about reward. What is the reward of God? It's the ability to do the stuff that Jesus told you. That's the reward you most need and want. So it's spirituality. Well, what is spirituality? When Jesus talks about acts of righteousness or acts of piety, He's talking about spirituality. What is this? Spirituality is where the human spirit and the Holy Spirit interact. That's spirituality. Now, there are a lot of other definitions for spirituality that you'll run into out there. 
But in terms of what Jesus focuses in on, He's focusing in on interaction points with the Holy Spirit of God. The living God who comes to you and meets you as you do something. This is what, now you'll note, this is more intense. There's a reason He began with law. Law is quite simply rational and far easier to understand. It has to do with God's expectations. I can figure that out. But here we begin to move into mystery. Because how is this thing that I do a place to meet with God? But if you've done it, then you know, don't you? You've had those moments where the the goose flesh rose, right? Where, Where you were surprised by the encounter. You've done what you've done a hundred times before, but suddenly it's different. It's weird. It's strange. It's because God is wondrous. And spirituality is about opening up my soul, my spirit, to the Holy Spirit of God who has promised to be with me and even in me. This living presence. As Jesus discusses spirituality, it's not just a state of being. Okay? And you can use the word that way too. You know, that I'm a spiritual person can mean that I have a worldview that includes spirits. You know, human beings have spirits inside them, and maybe there are other spirits out there too, and certainly there's a spirit of God. And, you know, so I, I believe that kind of stuff. But when Jesus discusses our spirituality, he will discuss stuff that you do. This is too often a neglected reality in Christianity. Christianity is often reduced to a thing we believe, a set of ideas, a set of doctrines, a set of rules. This is a set of practices. Things that we build into our life for the purposes of spending time intentionally with God. Opening ourselves up to Him. Even if the thing that I do is to become very still but it's still something I did on purpose. Right? Do you think, how many of you think that that person found themselves in that place by accident? Now, they're there. They had to drive a long way and then probably walk a long way with a friend who took the picture. Right? But they, they got there to be there to be with God. That spirituality could be very quiet. And you may not have any mobility. But it's still something you're doing. Because spirituality is, is something that I do that helps me to become attentive to the presence of God with me. And God is always with me. If my theology is correct, there's never anything that I do outside of the presence of God. Every sin that I do, yeah, He was there for that. Every shameful, embarrassing moment, he went through that with me. He's always there. But obviously, while I'm doing the embarrassing thing, you know, when I lose my temper and blah, you know, I'm probably not thinking about the fact that, hey, you know what? God's watching this. You know? But when I pray, and, and not, uh, sadly, not even every time that I pray. It's possible to go through the prayers, you know, and you're doing it kind of as duty and rote, and it's something you've, you've done a hundred times before, and, and the attentiveness somehow, somewhere gets... You ever do this, and you aren't paying attention to what you're doing? You know, the wonder of it all gets lost. 
But when I pray and I, I find myself doing what I'm doing, then my prayer leads me to pay attention to the One who made me. And I become present to Him. In a, in a, and it's impossible, once I'm aware that I'm with Him, all of the lies of my ability to keep something hidden from Him or, or to pretend that I'm something that I'm not, it, it all just falls away. I find that my emotions come flying to the surface in prayer. When I go deep in it, if I'm hurting at all, I begin to cry. Because I'm paying attention to Him. And I move toward Him. And I bring to Him not what ought to be in me, but what actually is in me. If I'm paying attention. Spirituality involves treating God like a person who is with you instead of an idea inside of your head. When This is kind of the core of Jesus' teaching about spirituality. That you treat God like a person. Not like a topic, but like a person. You know, I, I uh, know a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I know him quite well. I've read a ton of his material. I have found my heart profoundly shaped by him, and he's a good friend of mine. But you know what I've never done? I've never had coffee with him. He died 30 or so years before I was born, so I've never met him. I know Ashley Brown, and she's my best friend. And my knowledge of Ashley is different from my knowledge of Dietrich. You know, and they're both friends of mine, but one is a knowledge about, and one is a knowledge of. And granted, I don't have perfect knowledge of either one, and I, I really hope I get to know her longer and better as we but see, that's a living friendship. Spirituality involves treating God like that. And the way that Jesus wants us to carry out our spirituality, you'll notice that He encourages you, don't use God as though He's not there to be impressive to other people. He encourages secrecy and He encourages simplicity. Why? Because those things treat God like He's a person. And people who practice this, the question, do you believe in God, becomes a little bit silly. I mean, in one way... It always maintains a, as a valid question because you know, God has put us in a, in a world in such a way where faith is a required thing and it's a responsibility to tend your faith and maintain your belief in God. But in another way, if you've encountered God, I mean, I know God the way I know Ashley. No one can ever convince me that Ashley's not real. And in the same way, no one could possibly hope to convince me that God is not real because I've met Him. I've, I've been with Jesus Christ. And so the Spirit of God has led me into the presence of God. I know He's real. I know that my Redeemer lives because He's with me. And there have been times when I've been with Him and He just showed up, scared the dickens out of me, and filled me with wonder and joy. Wonder... This is more advanced than law-keeping. Do you see that? That's why he starts with law, and then he moves here. This is how we keep it. The very first word that Jesus says is, be careful. In chapter 6, his very first word, be attentive, show care. What you're entering into is not trivial or small. Be careful how you do this because there are ways of carrying out our spirituality that are soul-killing rather than soul-enlivening. You can do spiritual things and become less like God 
rather than more like God. Uh, Do I know that for sure? Absolutely. Who are the people who participated in the trial of Jesus Christ? They're Pharisees, right? Folks, they can pray us under the table. That's a comparison of prayer to alcohol. But I mean, they, they can pray way more than you do. Okay, they have a higher tolerance for prayer than Americans. You realize they prayed three times a day for an hour each time at set times. And that's outside of just pious living where you pray in gratitude for a moment. Okay, they had way more prayer than us. And yet, when they met God in the flesh, they couldn't recognize him, they hated him, they couldn't understand who he was. Okay, prayer is meant to be a place where you meet Him and come to know Him and love Him. Of course, the law helps you to recognize Him. And then when you meet Him face to face, but there are ways of doing this that can be dangerous. And so he starts with, be careful. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness before men in order to be seen by them, because otherwise you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to unpack those three thoughts very quickly and we'll be done. The first thing he says is be careful not to practice your acts of piety before men. That's because these folks, that's exactly what they were about. This is a representation of the Pharisees. And that's all they were about. Walking around, praying in front of people and being recognized for it. And their culture, spirituality, made you an impressive person. And so they would want to pray on the streets and be seen as a praying person. The spirituality that Jesus will engage with is their spirituality. He limits it to just three things. Giving alms to the poor, prayer, and fasting. Why those three things? Because it's, uh, it's, because it's their three things. I'll get there. Their three things. That's how they defined spirituality. I'm, I'm a pious person? Well, I look to law-keeping, but if you really want to see a pious person, you look for those, that fruit. And if you see that, hey, we're done. I mean, a change in character might be nice. But Jesus, I don't think, would limit us to just these three any more than He limits His way of reading the law to just the five laws He takes on. Okay, So if you want to know Christian meditation, pay attention to what He says about prayer and fasting. It'll show you. You you want to know about uh, study of your Scripture, or worship, or small group, or celebration, or, or any of a thousand spiritual disciplines. You look here and say, how does He use those? Because it'll show you how to do it. When he says, don't do it to be seen by people, it's because of the nature of the thing that we're doing. i got to tell you, when I was preparing for this sermon, I'll go ahead and show you the slide. Picture of couple kissing here. I googled couple kissing, right? And I kept looking for a picture that didn't make me go, yeah. You know? But that's, why, why do we go, yeah? Because that's private. It's not my property to give to you. It's not your property to participate in. That belongs to those two people, right? And the one place you really have a public kiss is I now pronounce you man and wife. Other than that, displays of affection really belong in private, right? And when you see somebody else doing it, don't you feel just a little bit ooky? It's not because what they're doing is ooky. It's because it's private. It belongs to them. And I shouldn't be a participant in their intimate behavior, Right? That's what Jesus is saying about your spirituality. God feels about prayer the way we feel about a kiss. It belongs to Him and no other. 
We can pray together in a group without violating that. Obviously, you can pray together as church. You could fast together as church. But there is a place where your spirituality belongs to God and to God alone. So that which belongs to God, you don't give to anyone else. And that's why. Because he's a person. And he's jealous of his love relationship with you and his intimacy with you. And he doesn't want you giving that intimacy away any more than he wants you giving the intimacy that belongs to your spouse to some other person. It doesn't belong to them, and neither does your prayer belong to the public. Well, that only matters if God cares about this and if God is a person. So you take your spirituality, whatever practice you do, and you treat it like you're interacting with a real person in a real intimate way. You want your spirituality to go deep? Pay attention to that one task from Jesus. Just that one thing. Treat it like He's a real person and He cares. Your spirituality will fly to the bottom of the ocean. Mixed metaphor there, but you'll, you understand what I mean. Well, Now, why do we do this stuff? Why does the human being need it? Well, aside from the fact that God is absolutely delightful. You know, coming to God is to come into the presence of the, of the absolute best person that you know. Think of the best person, the, the person you admire most on the earth. I hope you married people are thinking of someone who's sitting pretty close to you, all right? But, but think of the best person you can think of. What is it that makes that person admirable? It's their character, the wonder of who they are, right? They're just a delight. You realize that you're seeing the image of God. It's a reflection of God in that person. That's what makes them so compelling and draws, them, draws you to them so much. Well, in spirituality, we're with, that's a shadow. This is the object that casts the shadow. So being with Him, huh, even if there was no benefit to it, it's worth doing. But there is benefit. Because the person who spends time with God is with someone who is very active within them. The prophet Ezekiel a couple of times talks about taking out the heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. Folks, you can't do that to yourself. You know, If you remove the heart from your chest, the second part of the surgery is not going to go very well. Right? Because the doctor dies. Spiritual transformation is never a self-done project. And so we come to God saying, heal me. Even if we're not saying that. Even if in the moment what we're saying is, God, please, my neighbor is in distress. Please take care of him. I really, they matter to me so much. And right now I'm praying their prayer because I don't know if they even believe in you. So I'm praying for them. Please bless my neighbor. Care for me. And while I'm there, God's going, yeah, that's a great prayer. And I'm, I'm going to deal with your neighbor. But right now I'm also with you. And it's the, your love for your neighbor that drew you to me. And guess what I'm going to do? Change you. He reorients us from the inside out, renewing and restoring our soul, changing the things that we want. And so that, how do I keep the law? By the power of God. And by the power of God alone. The power of Ethan Brown, eh, I'll make a mess. I'm good at that. You know, my, my abilities, I know what the limits are. Actually, I probably don't, not entirely. But the power of God, I know that there are no limits. 
And if I actually want a changed heart, it's not about that great feeling. That's where our culture changes. And you realize that prayer is often boring. Real spirituality is often something that no wonder we want to show it off. I want to get something out of this. But have you ever had the moment where you prayed, and then you rose from prayer thinking, what a waste of time that was, and then you get cut off in traffic, and you're not mad. You're not. And you think, why am I not mad? Because you were with God. And God, little by little, chips away at the heart until it's shaped like His. He restores and renews the soul. And this is why we do this stuff. And so Jesus comes with invitation. But He starts His invitation saying, take care. What you're about to enter into with Me is serious stuff. It'll make or break you. Because you will be formed by your spirituality. Neglect it, you'll be formed one way. Do it in evil ways, you'll be formed in another. But if you will come to Me, and you treat Me like I'm real, and you spend time loving Me, then I will spend time loving you. And you will be changed by the love of God. So take care. Approach this thing with all of the seriousness that it is, and do not neglect it. Because the heart of the disciple grows in the presence of the Master. And He invites us to this. And so our king sitting on that mountain, who doesn't look anything like a king, if anything, he looks like a rabbi with calluses on his hands, but he is our king, and he has shown us the way of the law of God, and he comes to us saying, okay, now you want to keep this? Well, take care. Because the power to do it is there, but you've got to enter into this my way. In the next several weeks, we're going to walk with Jesus as He teaches us about the spirituality of the heart. But He's already set us on a good course, hadn't He? If you'd stopped listening now, you would already have a nugget that was worth having. How are you with this? How are we doing? As we look into our own hearts and our own spirit, is spiritual practice something in which you're engaged? Or have you given up? And if you're engaged, are you engaged in ways that are actually treating God like He's real? If you see there are seriously, serious places where your heart is out of line with Christ, then He calls to you today and says, hey, I want to change you. And your church will pray for you. And remember, prayer, God pays attention to that. It matters to Him. So if you want the prayers of the church, let us know. It may also be that you came to this place and you're bearing this heavy load of something else, some pain, some sorrow. It has nothing to do with what I've talked about, but you, you, want, uh, you want care. You need the love of the church. Well, the church wants to love you. Again, this church will pray for you. Give us a reason to be with God and let it bless us and you. And if you're not a Christian, following Jesus Christ is the best way of life that there is. There is no other. Start today. Today's the day to stay. If you're subject to the invitation of God, there's room right here. Why don't you come while we stand and sing?